1: I think I'm entitled You want I Want the Truth! You can't handle the truth.
0: Hello again, free thinkers, and welcome back to another episode of the Free Thought Project Podcast. My name is Jason Bassler and joining me today is Mr. Matt Agarist, who is our editor-in-chief. Today we have a great guest, a guest who helped spurred my own intellectual development and somebody who's been a warrior for truth, freedom, and philosophy for over a decade. Our guest today is Adam Kokesh. Adam is a political activist, a veteran, a libertarian presidential candidate, a writer, and a radio host who's engaged in numerous civil disobedience protests and has been involved in the world of social media activism for a decade. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Adam. It's great to have you on. So you've been in the Liberty World for a long time now. Your contributions to the movement are too vast to list, uh, but probably a lot of people don't know how much of a personal inspiration you've been to me over the years, especially in helping to refine my own personal ideology and philosophy. I even uh, I even remember you reading. Uh, one of the questions I emailed your show probably back in like 2012 or something on your tu- YouTube uh, show called Adam mm. versus a man. Um, I remember being really excited that you read my question and mm. uh, I was, you know, it was very inspired by your work and your activism. So um, today's focus of the podcast is envisioning what is next for social media and liberty activism. And as someone who's been in the social media world as a yep. content creator, as a host, as a news personality and influencer over the years. Uh, what do you think is the path forward with social media activism? And what is next for the Liberty Movement?
2: Well, first, thank you for that kind introduction. Too many contributions to list, Todd. Huh? I, I don't know if you're being like lazy or blowing smoke up my butt or trying to make me feel <laughs> old. But yeah, I've been doing this for a while. I've been pretty effective. It's been a lot of fun. I guess I have to add contributing to the inspiration of the Free Thought Project to my resume now. And I've got to say, I, I love... <laughs> How I mean, if nothing else, your meme game is on point, and I don't mean just in the superficial sense of getting stuff out there, but what you're able to capture in your messaging. I love sharing your work on, you know, on Instagram, Twitter, and more importantly, Telegram. Um, but even your articles, the the insight, the analysis uh, is is really valuable and important. I'm glad the Free Thought Project is is a part of the voice of this movement. So I don't know, was there a question there? Yeah, I was supposed to say something about. Intelligent about social media.
0: Uh, <laughs> well, you know, we we appreciate the the gratitude and the kind words as well. So, um, you know, thanks for that. But yeah, something along the lines of like what the path forward is for social media activism. Uh, as you know, we've we've hit a lot of roadblocks um, over the past few years. Even the Free Thought Project and Police the Police were taken down in 2018. Wow. We lost you know nearly six million fans. I know you've also been throttled. And uh, demonetized on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it, the list is endless as far as uh, you know the the censorship. We've even, as of the past three days now, have a shadow ban on our Instagram account, which uh, yeah. you know has made particularly bitter. So um, hopefully that gets resolved. But you know, it, it just seems like we're not we're, we're turning our wheels. But I I don't know how many uh, liberty yes. organizations are really talking about what the path forward is.
2: Yes. Uh, I'm so glad you framed the conversation that way because it's going to be a conversation now and not just an interview of Adam ranting because this is something that I get to pick your brain about as well now as I've been turning it over in my head for for the last few months, really. And first, let me get the social media stuff sort of out of the way. The future is blockchain decentralized one way or another. I'm very excited about Odyssey right now. I'm very cautious based on my experience, sort of being burned with steam. It sort of getting sucked into that most effectively described as a pump and dump kind of operation, Um, long, slow pump and dump, I guess. But uh, with Odyssey, I have a, at least censorship free, Publishing platform right now. And I'm very excited about that. The library blockchain, the potential for blockchain technology in general to render centralized control of the internet essentially irrelevant. Sidebar to that is the bigger technical, or sort of not sidebar, but maybe background to that, maybe the more important technological evolution where I think the big tech companies sort of don't realize how they have been slowly shooting themselves in the foot where the device that I'm using for this interview right now is so powerful that it would support a mesh network in a functional way if the market demand and the infrastructure, or rather the the software and the organization were there. And I think the future of telecommunications in general doesn't involve telecoms. It's mesh networks. It's devices communicating directly to each other. Blockchain is a big part of what makes that possible. So in a way, we're just evolving past this part of the internet's experience growing. I mean, I I I try to describe the internet's growth in phases. I am about to turn 40, uh, I'm old enough to have a sense of the history of the internet, you know, where, I mean, I remember when people thought the word Twitter and tweet were really awkward and, and, and comedians could still get laughs, just making fun of those terms when they were new and awkward. Right. But the, there, there was like a a sort of infancy period of the internet. And then there was like a, a sort of adolescence that might be described as the first golden age of the internet where I was able to build my YouTube channel up to quarter million subs. I've been flat on that number for I don't I don't know most of a decade at this point. It is maddening, and I'll bring that back to the the main point that you bring up there, um which is that, that essentially we've all been turned into unwitting controlled opposition. yeah, I'll don't worry, I'll explain. but I know it's, it's scary, right to think of ourselves that way, but do we have to admit, when the cumulative effect of the political repression and censorship is such that we are effectively managed opposition if not controlled opposition so i i see that in social media the the, the current paradigm is is going to be irrelevant in the next 5 to 10 years that doesn't mean it's not relevant to understand it now to fight the evils of it now and to if anything i'm i'm more inclined to put effort into actively supporting alternative means of content distribution just for myself doing a a daily two hour podcast and to to bring it back to the effect of the censorship and social media like we know that it's rendering us much less effective and i remember uh when the free thought project um and you can probably correct me on the year but it was what like four or five years ago there was one big facebook page purge and you had a page that that had something like a million subs on
0: Facebook.
2: Yeah. 3.1. So it, okay. Well, excuse me. Yeah. 3.1 million. <laughs> I remember you, there was a purge where it was like 80 significant names got purged off Facebook. And I was, I was very disappointed to not be included with them, but you were at the top of the list, right. <laughs> with was with, as one of the most credible prominent ones. And it was like, this is not anywhere near a free speech platform. And I, I'm starting to, you know, even object to my own, engagement with Instagram and Twitter that I have today where I'm like you know what I'd be better off I've I'd spend all that time building my own Telegram channel. I'm a big supporter of Telegram. I think Telegram as as uh, a legitimate free speech broadcasting and messaging platform provides us the end run uh, already around a lot of the social media media censorship and control. Of course, because Chris Cantwell, my old friend, the crying Nazi, got on there. Oh, it's a refuge of right wingers who have been kicked off social media. Uh, yeah, they tried to shut it down. They couldn't. So I'm I'm very bullish, I guess, uh, positive on, on Telegram, Odyssey, you know, some of the other uh, crypto and decentralized sort of honest alternative technologies right now. But you the way you introduce this subject raises a bigger question that I'd like to think I uniquely captured with a meme for once. And I'm, we're going to do Adam explains memes by audio now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 30 seconds. It's, it's a dude laughing arrogantly holding one hand out on this sort of petite woman's forehead while she's trying to punch him and has a you know frustrated look on her face you get the idea right just the hand of the forehead the bully oh, holding back someone smaller than them trying to hit them and i put on on the meme you know the dude is labeled as the government and the woman is labeled as the freedom movement her arm swinging and never quite hitting the body of the government is maybe the libertarian party but i think it's also it's, it's really everything of our movement but that's one way of making this point right and the arm with the palm on the forehead that's holding us back is political repression saboteurs infiltrators cointelpro pro style operations and shadow banning and covert censorship online as well as the overt censorship on social media and Some people look at that graphic and say, well, we need to grow so that our arm gets longer and we can strike the state finally. And it's like, well, part of the reality of this is that they will always scare people away. They will always bully people out of our movement. They will keep us from growing proportionally so that we stay as managed opposition. Is that I don't know if that's a better term if you want to if you want to help me out, figure out which term is more appropriate. But controlled opposition or managed opposition Uh, and we need to figure out a way to swat the arm away or really grow the arm or grow the movement in some way to be, you know, bigger and undeniable. But to pretend that this isn't the reality of how we are being held back as a movement is naive. And I'm, I'm almost disappointed in myself that it's taken me this long to sort of put a finger on it this way because I go back to my time with Iraq Veterans Against the War, which was my start- with full-time activism. And we were mentored by Vietnam veterans against the war and Scott Camille, by the way, great mini doc on YouTube called seasoned veteran journey of a winter soldier tells the story of a Vietnam vet, Scott Camille, my friend actually, we're we're personal friends now who uh, two purple hearts in Vietnam. And then as a prominent activist with Vietnam veterans against the war, the DEA sent a young, attractive female agent undercover to be his girlfriend and seduce him and then set him up with two FBI agents on a coke and weed buy. And when he figured out what was going on, he tried to get out of the car and they shot him in the back. And when he went to trial, he was acquitted on the grounds of entrapment. And the jury actually recommended that all the agents be tried for attempted murder. You know what happened to them? i sure nothing. <laughs> they all got promoted. Yeah, so, you know this is still this has been coming to a head, and I think the technology, as much as it is fundamentally empowering both to governments and humans, uh, but it's a double edged sword that cuts. Like Martin Luther King Jr. would describe, the arc of history bending towards justice. The longer edge of the double edged double edged sword cuts more in favor of decentralizing power and the power of the people, not centralization of authority. But it means nothing without deliberate conscious use and application and i think there's no greater need for that by the freedom movement right now than to use it to address this issue one way or another and i mean the sabotage of the freedom movement
1: well it's not very hard to sabotage a freedom movement you called it like the you know the controlled opposition or whatnot it's just what's more like the uh, controlled infighting that constantly happens within the liberty movement you know well, so here's
2: the thing. Hold on, hold on. Even that, I got I to gotta jump in because yeah. we maintain this awareness. You don't say there's infighting in the freedom movement as if it's some unique, weird, organic phenomena. You go, oh yeah, people infiltrate the freedom movement to keep us fighting amongst each other over bullshit so we're not as effective talking to other people.
1: Right, right. And as long as we keep believing it and buying into it, then there's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. And, uh, it's just I wish we could people get people could get over all these differences. You know, it's it's a shame like the vaccines right now. I was going through my you know, my social media feed this morning, there's a massive rift of people who want the vaccine and the freedom movement and then people who and they're ridiculing people who don't want it and and vice versa. You know, it's like, dude, what is freedom if it's not the fucking freedom to do what the hell you want? Why why are we making this an issue? Who is the one behind this turning this into an issue and, and stoking all this bullshit that's on you know, that everybody's up in arms about.
2: This is why I think engaging in that polluted conversation of social media as it is right now, in and of itself, gives us a distorted worldview. Because that division is, I mean, one, a lot of the anti-vaccine or anti-COVID vaccine comments right now are getting censored. So you might look at what you think is an organic conversation somewhere, and it looks like, oh, there's a 50-50 debate here, even among libertarians. like, no, uh, half the the half the people involved have been censored.
1: Oh no doubt, man. That's a that's a big thing going on right now, and it adds fuel to your argument to get the hell away from them all. Is the fact that there's there's this massive censorship campaign underway, and like the, we get you know we're getting fact checked now. When we used to get fact checked, it was a pain in the ass. We'd get fact checked. We'd call the AP or or we'd email the AP or email whatever outlet it was. Show them like go to guide them back to the article, have them read or or meme and have them read it again and be like, see, there's no lies, no mis misinformation, disinformation. You guys were wrong. You know, we used to be able to do that and it would be and it would be re- retracted. Now they're fact checking us for stuff that we don't even say, like they were like, no, we got a fact check on our thing on our one of our pages. And it says, uh, no, uh, covid vaccines don't contain saline injections. And we're like, wait, we never said anything about fucking saline to Jackson.
2: (laughs) Yeah. No, every, every COVID fact check seems like a distortion, like of, of uh, uh, a straw man attack, but yeah, I want to. So with that, what's the answer? Like, how do we protect ourselves? Is there some, you know, inoculation? I think, there's a there's there's another area where this distortion of saboteurs or infiltrators or maybe we need a better term. For, I, I mean, maybe saboteur is a good you know, catch all term, but for for trolls and infiltrators and plants and blah, 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 blah. And I, I, I don't if, if anybody listening has not at least read the Wikipedia page for COINTELPRO counterintelligence programs, the FBI operation from the 60s and 70s to render the black power and anti-war movements ineffective and were responsible for a lot of the assassinations by cop. Uh, go read that and read the history of how it was exposed. And I'm not suggesting necessarily, and this is where I'm, I'm still very cautious in my accusations, that it's necessarily the FBI right now. It could be they farmed out this, uh, the machine has farmed out this function to the Democrats and Republicans who have annual budgets, uh, you know, in the hundreds of, well, it, It was, we looked it up as a total, not even counting campaigns, it was over $2 billion a year each. If if you're the military industrial complex and you're paying these people to make war and kill innocent people for your profits, you better damn hope they're spending some of that money on sabotaging the political opposition. So, what would that look like? And I think a lot of it, you know, I've been around about a decade and a half as a full time activist, and I've seen a lot of it myself, but I think. Sabotaging relationships is a big part of it. And I think their ability to mess with communications and have infiltrators work their way in enough to cause drama. It, you know, it leads to me to see people like, oh, I don't talk to that person. Oh, I don't talk to that person over like really dumb bullshit where our movement would be a lot stronger if we had a more positive culture of, you know, working together and, and collaboration, we could seek harmony in a lot more projects and decentralized work where you need that. Uh, but we don't have a culture yet in the, the activism community or the libertarian movement as a whole that really protects us from that. I mean, it makes me want to write like, you know, an activist bill of rights or the 10 commandments of activism. But even there, you, it's really hard to put a finger on, well, do you, you know, where, where do you create guidelines that, you know, if someone is doing this, you know, you go, well, then you're probably a plant. You know, if, if you're telling people not to associate with someone else, if you're uh, always critical online, if you're to, to, uh, you know, tipping the conversation a certain way, you know, things that we should be looking for, you know, aside from the obvious infiltration, you know, I don't think we have the awareness. But the other thing that I think comes that's very important that comes from the subtle online manipulation is they scare us off our effective messaging by getting us to think that it's too radical or controversial. And I think that's very dangerous. On my show today, we were discussing hashtag murder cult as a term for describing the military. And it's like, oh, no, some people might be upset by that. Look, if people are such snowflakes that they can't hear an intellectual term, murder cult, and understand why that's a good description of the military, like they're not the people we're talking to anyway. And that I'm even indulging this point shows what a sucker I am for the arguments from self-consciousness that I think a lot of people make and fall for in the freedom movement. And I mean, even just how easy would it be to sabotage Uh, you know, a state or county Libertarian Party affiliate by being one volunteer who goes and does minimal work, but is always the voice of self-consciousness. Well, we have to moderate that message. That's too extreme. We have to be pragmatic. We have whatever all these bullshit arguments. So you have to be self-conscious about telling the fundamental truth about the world we live in today that is illuminated by the libertarian perspective. And maybe that's enough to neuter us as a movement, make us ineffective.
0: Freedom is a uh, never extreme control is extreme. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I, um, I feel like you touched on a lot of good points. I'm going to jump back to some of the stuff you said in the beginning, um, because sure. it, it kind of resonated with us, uh, or with me anyway, but you're right. Facebook doesn't just straight up delete pages anymore. They might do that occasionally, but from, uh, our experience over the past year and a half, um, be- because after t- 2018, we tried to create several more pages with the same um, the same brand, the Free Thought Project and Police to Please. And we had them taken down probably within two to three months after they went up. You know, they'd already gathered a bunch of followers and everything. But now we're starting to see that there's a new technique that they'll actually just turn the throttle all the way up. The shadow ban all the way up, they mm-hmm. won't actually delete your page anymore because it's they realize
2: sabotage to waste your time. Yes,
0: yes, exactly. Exactly. And it doesn't create yeah. the outrage that a delete a page deletion does. Yes. And that creates the momentum for the fans to follow this. The- What's that? And you let them in your head. Right. Yes. Well, yeah, they basically live there, unfortunately, for me, uh, because I'm a little bitter still about all this. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, certainly managed opposition. I think that's a, a great way of putting it. But to your point, as far as the future being blockchain, what do you feel like is the adoption rate? Because I still feel like it's still out of a lot of people's uh, wheelhouse and perspective when it comes to social media, especially the normies. And I feel like that's a big part of our target audience because we're not just trying to preach the choir. So like, um, you know, Facebook, one thing well, I will give a credit that's,
2: that's for. An so there's, criti- there's a critical technological adoption point that we are on the verge of. And I'll use library slash odyssey as the example here. And it was that they ported over my YouTube library. They were just right. like, oh, yeah, I'm, register here. And your whole YouTube library is mirrored on our blockchain now. So fuck them. You don't need them anymore. And I gave a speech years ago about this, uh, describing the concept of super social, as a social media protocol that would allow that that would be open source that would allow so you'd have like a a super social protocol uh for twitter so you'd have super twitter and it would be like function just like twitter and would port everything that is on twitter into twitter but it would give you a fair chronological feed and take the ads out if you wanted it to, right? You could have an app that now controls like Uh, The API algorithm is taken out. And so, but you, you get to control that. Now, in order for that to be possible, you have to have the processing capability uh, of being able to basically, um, what's the term, skim or um, take all the content off Twitter, and then reprocess it in an independent server, in order for it to be uh, to, to have this functionality. And so there's a technological barrier in terms of processing speed and memory capacity that we we, we have, but we don't have the sort of corporate level investment to make it a reality. And a lot of this is on the, you know, fringe of what's legal anyway, and ah, you could be shut down. So you're not going to get any big investors to go, Oh, let's make that happen. But imagine if you had super Facebook, you had super Instagram, every social media website, or, you know, had this, you know, super sort of, uh, Umbrella code that gave you the opportunity to have a Facebook experience, but without the censorship. And, and I know that's not really possible. But uh, you know, once they really take content down, oh, scrape, scrape the content. You have to scrape all the content. Mm-hmm. That's the term was right. for. Um, but uh, at least you could you could have this experience outside of Facebook that would be your Facebook feed without ads and without uh, the chronological censorship. You could just get a straight chronological feed. And I mean, that's, that's so fundamental to Facebook's distortion of the the power of the internet and social media conversation is just what, what's priority for you to look at now. And you miss important announcements from friends and family just because they're not constantly spamming Facebook with engaging posts, you know? Uh, and with, like I said, with library and Odyssey, they basically just said, Oh, yeah, we got your whole library over here, Adam. Cool. What if there was an alternative to Facebook or Twitter that ported over everything your whole history, your friends list, connections, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, your inbox messages? everything they possibly could. And maybe it doesn't scrape all the history of Facebook, but allows you to sort of interact across it. But then it also connects you to the super social protocol. Now that's just one vision that I had years ago. Is that the way it goes? I don't know, but that potential is there. And I think platforms like Odyssey are, are a big step in that direction. But what would it take, like to answer your question, for the average user? I, the reason I came up with this idea is because it created that bridge. And I, I think that's what's necessary right now. Yeah. And, and, and that way you don't have to compete with the critical mass of community problem that we seem to run into every time you know, someone goes, I've got a new social media site. Yeah, but until you have the critical mass of users, people like us who are engaged because we want to engage with people are going to go where more people are.
0: Yeah, that that's exactly what I was uh, getting at with my point. It, it seems like in a centralized user experience that Facebook is the tip of the spear. I mean, they're constantly coming out with new features, new updates to to keep their audience there and and to not expand and adopt to other uh, social media platforms, much like what happened to MySpace. And sometimes people, you know, reference MySpace, well, Facebook will eventually die off like MySpace. Like, I don't think so. I think Facebook is too integrated into the fabric of society, and at least websites and the internet at this point. So like, yeah, that that's kind of where my question uh, comes back in. It's like, so how do we get all these normies to adopt MeWe or Minds or Telegram and I love Telegram as well and all three of those saw a surge of new users after The the 2020 election, but since then they've been dead and because the platforms are so small comparatively to Facebook a lot of times when we do make posts and, you know, we're investing hours into the research, the writing, the creation of these posts, we see very we see very little engagement. So it, it's almost getting to the point where it's like if we don't continue to stay on you know, Facebook, we're not going to see the clicks that we need just for a few bucks in ad revenue to keep us going. So, I mean, I, I think that's where we've kind of hit a dead end as of recently. And a big part of the the reason why we wanted to talk about this is like, where do we go from here? How do we get more people over to these smaller, decentralized social media platforms and, you know, get the momentum back to where we once had it on Facebook?
2: Mm. Well, a lot of that's even an illusion now. I mean, if you think about the value of that engagement, how much would it be worth it for them? Like if if. It, I, this is playing conspiracy theorists a little bit, but kind of getting into the the mind of the enemy here. Um, let's say they identified that if the freedom movement decided we were all going to get on Odyssey, and I don't know that Odyssey is the one. i'm not I'm not paid to do this. I'm not endorsing it. I haven't tested it out. I'm just intrigued and I'm hopeful that that it might be uh, an important bridge to the next phase of the internet. Oh, I was saying, like we had this sorry to go back. like we had this golden era. You know, and now we're in this corporate, centrally controlled era uh, of the internet, and I think we're about to be on the you know the verge of of the new golden era of blockchain and, and decentralized based social media as as the primary you know means of engaging with the internet and the hive mind of humanity. So, to the, this idea of you know the Facebook you know dominance or the essentialness of it, uh, what if? It was real. What if, what if there really was the opportunity for something like Odyssey to take off and all they had to do to kill it was moderate its momentum and keep people like you going, well, I'm getting more engagement and I'm making a little bit more money on Facebook. And until then, and they keep you in this starved, dependent mode on the trickle from Facebook. And what if that's all fucking fake? What if even the money you're making through that is fake and they know they're keeping you talking to less people? You know, I mean, I, I just, I'm challenging all the premises of the, this, knowing that there are a lot of possibilities uh, that, that if we were in their shoes, what would we be doing? Would it would, would it be worth me tricking Jason with, you know, a few hundred dollars a month in, in revenue from some other source to keep him tricked into uh, yelling into the void as opposed to, you know, realizing that maybe the other interaction, the other, you know, your telegram channel, your your Odyssey presence, that that's legitimate organic engagement that we can't touch and that you'd be better off building that in a synergistic way with other libertarians. And instead, well, we're going to keep you looking at it like it's a conundrum. And well, I don't know where the money's going to come from. You know, and so I, I'm in the process of making the commitment to say, um, even if it's with odyssey or anything else, um, I'm, I'm going to go, you know, direct sponsorship and, and Patreon style support only because I don't want to allow, like, I remember back cause you know, YouTube, when they had the cards and like engagement on the end of your video and all sorts of weird features. And well, if your video is four to five minutes long, you're more likely to get it to go viral. blah it was all that shit. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not playing that game. I'm going to make content. For me and my audience, not yes. a platform,
0: right? Yeah, and we've certainly adopted that mentality as well over the years. Um, it just feels more genuine. It feels more authentic, and uh, yeah, at this point, it's not about engagement anymore. It's about it's not about the numbers game. And and just to be clear, we are on uh, fifteen different social media platforms that we post on every day, so we're not just suckered into one. I know you're just giving that as an example, but right. right. Yeah, for misrepresenting Free Thought Project. No, no, but no. no.
2: On, uh, I, uh, on that though, I go back and forth with that myself. Scatter shot, cover everything, or focus on one platform?
0: Right. 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 Well, all these questions, I mean, you know, I mean, even some of the uncertainty of some of these points that we're bringing up, it all kind of points to you know, we're we're not sure how to proceed. There's no one way. Uh, Forward, unfortunately, right now that seems to make sense. I mean, yes, adopting some of these decentralized, uh, censorship-free platforms seems like the best alternative as of right now. But um, I I don't know if we're ever going to go back to the same dominance and reach that we once had. I I truly doubt that is ever going to be possible again, unless it's some kind of, uh, let's say, libertarian-friendly, you know, type of social media platform. But even still, I mean, look what happened to Parler, right? Yeah. Well,
2: that's why. So, you know, they tried to take Telegram down, like I said, and and they couldn't. The way they could with Parler, and they've sort of limited Gab. Um, and I I don't know the the ultimate answer, but I'm not doing this for the money. Obviously, um, I'm doing this because it's the right thing to do. That's what's always motivated my activism. What can I actually contribute to the world with my insight and? You know, I've, in a way, been motivated by doing penance for my military service of bankers, politicians, and war profiteers. So I would, and, and I know that, you know, from what I, or from what I know, at least of you and, and the Free Thought Project crew, that there is a similar motivation and that you're, you're willing to sacrifice your immediate business model and maybe even your own long-term business model for a strategy that serves the movement better and I'm not trying to dictate what that is but that's how I feel sure and if it means I gotta take my 50 patrons you know to Odyssey and build slow there or really more to, I I have a lot more confidence in telegram uh, but you know Odyssey would be the the content we well, you know one way of, of, of hosting video content to get onto Telegram, at least, or that we would share with Telegram. So there's, I mean, I, I I don't know. I'm asking you. You know, maybe you can ask. Maybe one of us has got to like Socratic dialogue the other through this motherfucker. But I don't think either of us knows where it goes.
1: Well, I think that um, that that the censorship campaign that's coming down right now is affecting everybody, and it's and it has everybody else looking for alternative um, You know, means of social media, and you know, eventually, I think we're gonna hit a temp a tipping point where there's like a massive migration for people, and it's not gonna be because of you know because they banned Trump or some bullshit. It's gonna be where the only thing allowed on social media is going to be the establishment's point of view, and anything else will be COVID. you know will result in a complete removal or or whatever. And COVID might be a more significant breaking point. Yeah, yeah, COVID was like the this ma- is massive, dude. I mean, it's got. It's got everybody up in arms, everybody th- throwing, you know, And any time you could just type the fucking word COVID, dude, and you get a warning on a Facebook post or or Twitter. You know, it's um, I've never seen anything like this. And, it, and obviously the people that are behind this and now we have the government literally jumping in and doing it themselves on Facebook and Twitter, yeah. you know, coming op- out openly and saying these yeah. things. And uh, clearly none of them have read a history book and, and have realized that regimes that start with censorship campaigns are are the most, you know, are the worst regimes ever in history, throughout throughout history ever. And they think, oh, well, this time it's going to work, you know. Well, this time it's not going to work. <laughs> it's going to drive a bunch of people to – it's going to make a bunch of people extremists, you know. I mean that 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 doctor, I can't remember his name. He's the inventor of the mRNA, mRNA vaccine. You know, yeah. he, every platform he goes on, dude, he's like removed, censored. You know, and he gets death threats from all these people just, but for saying like stuff that he's very well educated upon. You know, I,
2: I do too, and have been censored like crazy for taking a relatively mainstream view on COVID. Just sort of cautious and skeptical of government. You know, I I don't I I, I haven't gotten into lab leak theory or or advocated anything like that. You know, I've I've generally been you know I mean I believe that it's a real virus and it's actually killing people the way if you got rid of the flu and reintroduced it, that would do it. And something on that scale and, oh, surprise, surprise, we're, you know, and, and we're being, um, you know, we're being led to be afraid of this and then buy shit that we don't need and, and, you know, submit to control. It's very much, I'm, I'm not advocating anything that's a break from the historical pattern or really that, it deviates even from the mainstream understanding of facts of this thing just my interpretation of it you know is is enough to get me censored for misleading medical advice you know right. and it's it's it is it's a new level of insanity and i want just to bring it back to what i think is the more important topic of this conversation does that give us an opening for a major transition in how the internet is used how current events are covered and what we as advocates of change and activists want in order to have a
1: fair voice in the conversation undoubtedly it totally does and that's why we need to have conversations like this one to figure out where to strike what to do you know what when this thing does come to you know fever pitch what what do we do you know like there's the infrastructure is there like all this all the blockchain technology and social media blockchain companies there's a lot of them out there and it's ready you know i we just need the i don't know that there's going to be a streisand moment or anything like this you know i just i just think that uh, there's so many people that aren't even aware of these of these different platforms and different means that are non-censored you know uncensorable and i i think that us us just having these conversations and alerting people to their existence is a big deal you know, um, I mean, it, you try to do it on the establishment platforms, you know, and, and it gets censored. And um, but I mean, every now and again, one breaks through. I know uh, they, they've been recently censoring our free thought uh, group on pay, on Facebook and the, all kinds of like naysayers are going on there because Jason changed the terms to uh, approve posts only. And so everybody's all oh, free thought project, but approve. Post. And he's like, well, dude, if we don't do this, then they're going to del- ban the. Uh, you know they're gonna delete our facebook group and they're like well you don't have to be on facebook and jason like posted a comment underneath it we're not just on facebook here's all of our other groups why don't you join yeah, that yeah. you know and and people all of a sudden like sometimes that that little comment breaks through and we get a whole slew of people moving over to to our telegram and to uh you know to MeWe mm-hmm. and such
0: yeah that's actually the second group they've taken down as well our first one had 136,000, and they took that down no explanation no appeal response But, um, you know, here's the problem is that you're right, Matt, a lot of people don't know about some of these smaller social media platforms, but a lot of people do, especially a lot of people in our movement. So what is going to be the catalyst if it's not, you know, the the Trump election, if it's not COVID, what exactly is going to get these, you know, so-called libertarians, even anarchists off these mainstream social media platforms? And to start adopting and consistently using some of these smaller platforms. I mean, if we can't do that, how are we supposed to ever adopt a free society of voluntarism, right? Like if we can't even, you know, get off a social media platform, then how are we ever going to say, okay, we're done with the state? We don't need the state anymore. And I know that's a bit hyperbolic. I get it. Before
2: answering that question directly, I have to point out that there are some premises Based on the awareness of sabotage or saboteurs that have to be established or criteria that have to be met. So, if we say, for example, that it's going to be, uh, you know, Odyssey, social media on a blockchain, if that's not fully decentralized, then it's still subject to the Odyssey organization being infiltrated and sabotaged um and if it's not at critical mass uh or or has any other such vulnerabilities to sabotage uh if if there's even so like here's, here's as, as well, my point is like as long as something exists think okay here's another crazy example that I think will make my point better let's say odyssey is the savior social media company that has the potential to kill facebook right Facebook has so much money and resources that to defend itself, it might create a competitor to Odyssey and have it beat Odyssey in the competition to be the next alternative to Facebook and then self sabotage it. There's so many possibilities here that, as long as that sort of covert sabotage, the vectors for it exist and we haven't protected ourselves from them or come to inoculate ourselves somehow, then the the concept of critical mass or better programming or functionality, it's almost
1: irrelevant. I mean, yeah, that's true, but that's the beauty of the blockchain. It's transparent. We can see, you know, who's all behind it, the white paper, everything else like that. Uh, you know, I'd like to think that, <laughs> you know, that that's that's the case anyway.
0: And <clears throat> I think you made a good harder. point. That makes it harder, but that's not foolproof. Right. Right. I mean, even the social media platforms that we have right now aren't necessarily foolproof. I've seen examples even on MeWe of people being censored and they bill themselves as a censorship free platform, you know. So you're right, Adam, it's kind of at the discretion of these advisory boards or, you know, whoever's at the top echelons here at these social media companies. Um, And even if we do adopt a new one, it doesn't mean that it's going to be the solution for the long term because it very well could succumb to the same pressures from big tech like we've already seen happen to Parler. So, yeah, it's a it's a tricky situation. Um, Not sure what exactly the path forward is. It still seems to be a bit hazy and a gray area. But uh, I think conversations like this certainly help um, clarify, you know, the, the situation a little bit better. It,
2: it, what occurs to me in this then, telegram, how familiar are you guys with Telegram?
0: We're familiar. We have channels and groups over there. Okay.
2: Does it have the potential to displace all current social media functionality? i, I don't I don't even know if it has this feature. I just want to be able to put my channels and conversations into folders. So I can have my stuff that I check once a day and stuff that I check when I feel like it and people that I respond to like you know, messages right away. But maybe the the, the answer is like we, we have messaging as like a subsidiary service built into social media. And maybe that in and of itself is backwards and Telegram changes that on its head. And we have a messaging platform that does groups and does public channels and maybe builds in functionality like, oh, you can have an event page. You know, maybe some of that stays external. But if that becomes the new foundation and it's like, oh, the answer was really fucking simple. We just all need to abandon existing social media and develop a a culture and a conversation around Telegram, where the it's like you, the you don't see that there is no social media platform because you don't need it, and that functionality is just there, and there's none of the negativity and the control of it. It's that's already do-it-yourself social media. Pick what channels you want to subscribe to.
0: Yeah, and there is a lot of momentum on Telegram as well. I've seen big channels, uh, certainly you know fifty thousand plus. Um, which, you know, is surprising and um, Cantwell might not completely be incorrect. Uh, I would say there is probably a larger right wing uh, demographic on Telegram as of right now. It doesn't mean that's it's ex- exclusive, but uh, the bigger channels tend to be uh, the Trump supporting channels, the MAGA followers and whatnot. Oops. Right. But uh, I, I do think that that is a great way to kind of sidestep because ultimately it is a messaging app, you know? So it, it's hard for big tech to really classify it or, or put it in a corner. Um, but uh, so far it, it's been a good alternative for us and that's where we have been pointing people uh, to, to join up. We were pointing people at MeWe for a little while that ended up losing momentum. It felt like everybody was going the Telegram route and even that has kind of slowed down for for us as of recently. But um, anybody checking this out, if you are on Telegram, uh, TFTP official and TFTP group, and police, the police is also on there, but uh, doesn't seem to be as much of an audience for police accountability type of information right now on Telegram. So it's much smaller. But uh, so I, I do have another question. I feel like is just as important as this social media uh, question here. And it's more of just the strategy of what we're trying to do. So the goal has always been to plant seeds to wake up as many people as possible, right? Uh, So we could have a little bit more of a a cultural and political significance. Um, But it feels like we've been doing that for a long time now. And it feels like there are people taking things in other directions. Like we're seeing, um, you know, the Mises Caucus pop up. Obviously, the Free State Project organizations have been around like that. But do you feel like we should still be focusing on planting seeds or do you feel like we should be kind of focusing our efforts more on like tangible uh, efforts as far as like seeing our being able to actually see our cumulative efforts and like realistically, like what numbers will we need to win over hearts and minds? Is it like 80 million people, 30 million people? Um, And so I think this kind of kind of brings up a problem, right? Because like, how are we going to compete with the state uh, as far as their propaganda machines? How are we going to get people to think, um, you know, about government solutions when we're not asking for government to actually be the solution? So, you know, we've seen small groups of minorities for instance, like the LGBTQ community, who've made great progress over the past several decades, because uh, they're incrementally advocating for more centralized power. But is it possible to have like the same momentum for the opposite, for less government, for more decentralized, uh, less political apparatus? And and it seems like there's more incentives for the opposite. There's more opportunities to grow the state. So are are we? shooting ourselves in the foot here just by trying to focus exclusively on waking people up and trying to plant seeds?
2: Wow, that's that's such a big rich question, man. I mean, I, I love it because I think of this as like my personal great existential question as a full-time committed libertarian activist because I see it as the most important thing to do with my life. And as someone who has pursued and is currently pursuing Sort of all of these strategies, and you know, if I want to admit how I look at this for myself, really, in, in light of the meme that I described earlier uh, you know, of, of taking swings while they've got their hand on your forehead and none of your swings connect, but you're, you're swinging and you're getting stronger and you're growing, and in that sense. Uh, all of those strategies that you mentioned, you know, and I think of independent media as you know, one manifestation of winning converts, strategic outreach, civil disobedience to get uh, attention to unjust laws, to, to get people thinking about certain issues, uh, you know, writing books, uh, blogs, advocacy, all of those things, uh, that realm, you know, political activism uh, and, and sort of, I, I would say lifestyle activism, right? And in those realms, I've done things that are sort of, uh, you know, inch by inch work. And I've done things that are, you know, Hail Marys, like my presidential campaign, you know, running for president on the platform of, uh, you know, resigning on day one and immediately taking the government, the federal government, through a peaceful, orally responsible bankruptcy process that would leave us with 50 independent states and up to 562 sovereign native nations that that potential as uh, a unifying practical policy that immediately makes everybody's lives better. You know, if you're more even, you know, we don't have to win any converts at all. And that was part of the appeal to me of it. Tactically is that I can appeal to people's existing statism and say, if you're a liberal or a conservative, you're going to get a statist experience that's more customized to the culture uh, and the p- people of your state rather than being tied to this giant collective that we don't need anymore, you know, and it does get to the heart of confronting militarism. And that's very important, you know, in the collectivization of that. But that's something to me that's also very important. So I don't have a problem confronting that head on. Um, but then, you know, with every meme that we make that we hope to go viral and be the one that spurs some significant shift or the one video I make about explaining why the homesteading lifestyle is an important expression of my values. That's going to inspire a movement or a wave of people, you know, maybe, maybe that's it right now when we're all just, just taking shots, you know, maybe this conversation is about, you know, how do we build better? How do we get stronger so that we can take more effective shots? Because I have absolute confidence in the inevitability of Humanity achieving a voluntary society. And that might be a, a much longer separate conversation to get into. But barring the obvious caveats of nuclear mutual annihilation, or aliens blowing up our planet, or or a real, real pandemic, you know, something like that. Uh, Yeah, that humanity is progressing towards a state of of greater peace and harmony, because it's the natural progress of intelligent life itself, of being better uh, masters of ourselves, of our relationships, of our physical environments. And a lot of that is driven by understanding and intelligent uh, application of critical thought, but also by technology. Which is empowering to that as well, and those fundamental human dynamics that to me represent the beautiful two steps forward, one step backwards, perhaps dance forward of humanity. And you know, I want to be the one pushing for the next step forward as much as I can, because that next step forward is is right now defeating the paradigm of centralized coercive governments and 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 overcoming all of the injustice and, and the suffering that goes along with that.
0: There's a lot of different directions that the Liberty movement has, has gone. And, uh, we've always kind of maintained that same mentality as to try to plant seeds, try to give people little morsels of, uh, counterintuitive information to kind of get them to think outside of the pre programmed box that they were born into. And, uh, As we were talking about earlier, you know, there's a lot of thinkers, a lot of, uh, you know, intellectuals, or at least they think of themselves that way as intellectuals uh, in the freedom movement. There's a lot of different perspectives. And uh, even just recently, you know, there's debate about. You know, should we go the political route? Is the Mises Caucus doing more harm than good? And we have people like Sal Mayweather, who you know, they're they're trying to be consistent with their perspective and their views that you know, government is ultimately a coercive apparatus. So why would we want to try to actually take hold of that?
1: Yeah,
0: right. So I guess that's where this question stems from: is is do we do we still feel like planting seeds and waking people up is the way to go? but uh i still feel like that's probably the one of the less invasive ways you know we're not getting at people's faces we're not shoving information down their throat we're just putting information out there and yeah, i think a lot of times people are going to wake up when they're ready to wake up not when yeah, we no, want I'm, them to wake
2: up. Well, i'm absolutely for that the the whole planting seeds grow the movement grow the critical mass wake people up and and be patient and give them the time to to internalize it as they're ready but i i would just in In people who adopt that strategy, I would challenge everyone to apply this greater strategic awareness to the standard of efficiency for tactics that are worth your time. And don't do something if it's arguing with trolls where you have no measurable feedback and you could just be pissing into the wind. Do something that you know will grow our movement faster than they can scare people away or bully people out of activism. You know, that's what, make no mistake that if that's what you're doing, that's what we're up against. And I've I've been doing this for a decade and a half now. I've seen a lot of people come and go. I've seen a lot of people burn out and it fucking pisses me off, especially when I think how many of them were sabotaged in their efforts and that made them frustrated. So be aware that this is what we're up against talk to real people if that's what you're going to do and apply those same standards that any good tactician would in evaluating the effectiveness of any particular course of action because to do not to not do that is to take a personal indulgence at the expense of future generations doing activism that makes you feel good with no eye to how effective is it.
0: Or just catering to personal biases or your sure. personal political identity, right? Because uh, yes. it, it's easy to, you know, slander those, you know, demon rats or whatever. But are you actually, you know, making headway with the conversation? Are you actually, you know, sharing a perspective that possibly this the other person you're conversating with hasn't thought of? and and to Adam's point, too, I'd also suggest, yeah, just be aware of, the individual you're talking to, some people are so deeply embedded into their own uh, political philosophy political philosophy, and political identity that there's no way they're ever going to change. There's no way that they're ever going to all of a sudden have an epiphany of intellectual integrity and they're going to flip a switch and agree with you. Uh, t- some people are just too far embedded into their own beliefs and dogma. So we always say, you know, in our target audience has always been the people who are on the fence or the people who are just starting to kind of wake up. And kind of realize that you know things aren't what they were told. They're they're finally starting to smell the bullshit, I guess you could say. And uh, yeah. those those are the people who are more susceptible to actually listening to logic and reason. And uh, you know that's that's the basis of where most libertarian principle and value stems from. So uh, it's it's absolutely critical that we have that we're conversating and and spending that energy and time communicating with people who have intellectual integrity. If not, it's it's just going to be a waste of time. We only have a few more minutes left, but let's let's uh, end this on something positive. So um, who is somebody in well, the liberty? So positive. What are you talking about? This is all about <laughs> human. Yeah, we've been it talking solutions, to... man. It's all positive. It's all yeah, positive. Yeah. You guys are right. You're right. It, it sounds like it could be a downer, though, because we're not necessarily yeah. – um, you know, we're not coming out with any golden examples of path forward, but I, I think well, either way. Well,
2: it is facing it is facing a hard truth for our movement for a lot of people who just face unknowns and don't hack through them. Sure, they find comfort in feel good activism or being a keyboard warrior, and that's as far as they go. And the 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 enemy loves that. They are happy that you do that. They, they if anything else, they need you to not ask the questions that we've asked in this conversation.
0: Sure. And with that being said, you know, it, it's one thing to just, as Adam said, be a keyboard warrior. And I think even, you know, some of the long term activists fall into this trap every once in a while. It's great to have the knowledge, but you also have to put that knowledge into action. Right. If we're not putting that into action, then we're not going to be making progress. It is easy to sit behind the computer and share your opinions. And there is certainly some utility in that. But we also need to get out there. We also need to get out to the streets. We also, and this is, you know, applies to multiple different, you know, varieties of ways you could you could actually be an activist. This isn't just going to protests, but it's more than just sitting behind the computer. And I think that's something that we also need to to touch on and, and mention. But uh, so my, my last question is uh, who is somebody in the Liberty world who has inspired you to get into activism and is still going strong and has never wavered. And I know you, you're a veteran in this. So, um, yeah, me
2: (laughs) Be (laughs) your own hero. No, I mean, I, I love y'all. I love so many, I, I'm not going to single someone out on that count. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, if, if I want to claim like one most relevant intellectual influence, I'd have to give a nod to Rothbard. You know, if I had to name one as a, a sort of political influence, you know, a, a nod to Ron Paul, maybe in, in the realm of activism outside of that, I don't know, Abby fucking Hoffman, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where you want to go with that, but there's so many, and there's so many who have, uh, you know, like Fred Hampton, uh, you know, sure. who were shot for their activism were killed. Scott Camille really, um, you know, if, if you want to say in, in anti-war and, and, you know, direct confrontation activism, uh, Scott Camille, but, uh, ultimately these are not, you know, heroes. They are, uh, you know, I, I mean, maybe positive role models, you know, people I've, I've, I can say I've learned from and been inspired by and, what they've inspired me to do is to be my own hero and set my own course. And and I can with humility say that even though, yeah, it's me, it's me. I do this for me. You know, I'm not, I don't pretend, to follow somebody else. I don't pretend to live in anybody else's head. You know, it's, it's I I wanna make the world a better place, not because of, oh, you should kiss my ass because I'm some benign altruist. No, it's because I have a vision. I wanna bring to reality for me. I wanna see it. It's how I wanna live. I wanna live in service for me. I wanna live in service of other people for me because I wanna live in a world where there is no injustice of the state. I wanna live in a world where there is no war, where there is no suffering. I wanna live in a, war, a world where peace and harmony guide humanity rather than conflict and and control and violence and statism. And I I have built a life for myself based on my values. And and I can only hope to properly uh, motivate, inspire and educate others in the way that I have been by those who have gone before me.
0: Well, that's a great answer, dude. And uh, I mean, you certainly inspired me. And I think, you know, that's what it's all about, trying to uh, plant those seeds so others could kind of pick up the torch and uh, and run with it. And that will give some people a few names to also research, people who've enjoyed uh, your contribution to this podcast. So I appreciate you um, throwing those out there.
1: Like you said earlier in the podcast, man, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you that I, was, I got down this road to uh, anarchism and volunteerism from that, that crazy Adam versus the man show he used to have, man. I used to just, I used to engage with the people in there and the YouTube chat and everything. And, um, and then, you know, here we are on a podcast, like fucking 10 years later. And, uh, I mean, it's pretty cool, man. Uh, yeah. And for those that don't know, you know, Adam went to fucking jail for this this shit. He went to, you know, he brought a gun into Washington DC to show that, You know, that his rights were being trampled and he didn't have a Second Amendment right. And I mean, that's a that's massive, dude. That's bigger than anything anybody at the Free Thought Project has ever done. We've none of us ever gone to jail for for, you know, for fighting for this cause uh, of of liberty.
0: You even (laughs) got SWAT rated for that, too. Right, Adam?
2: Yeah, they threw a flashbang grenade in front of me at my dog. It was pretty nuts. But that's not that's not the measure
1: oh no what? obviously not I mean I'm just saying like if if, if 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 we could make this uh if we could fight you know for this the cause of liberty and all since people could just you know it would if just millions of people would just start you know like acting like this and being free and and resisting government tyranny you know very simply with you you know you could be a keyboard warrior keyboard warriors have a lot of power these days
0: if we had tens
1: of millions exactly. of them.
2: If you're thoughtful and effective with it, and uh, I, I will take the personal credibility that goes along with my resume. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> but you know, now my civil disobedience is, is I think, much more meaningful in you know living off grid and building without permits and and you know staring down county zoning and I I drive without a license um, without registration. You know i drive without tags on my vehicle and i've driven it all over the country and i've gotten pulled over a handful of times and it's always like well what are you gonna do give me paperwork that i'm going to ignore cool and i stay off <laughs> so, you
1: know yeah and as a uh, fellow marine corps veteran i get behind murder cult <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah i was uh,
1: i was a proud member of that murder cult and i would have killed anybody that they told me to went back then and like you i broke free from nice. that um you know from that conditioning and and now I try to help others break free from that as well.
2: Yes, and that's the importance of that term is it directly addresses the depth and relevance of the evil and acknowledges the nature of it and that people who get sucked into it are victims like most cult members.
1: Yeah, 100%.
2: It's, it's really important for, I think, if I may maybe try to wrap this up with uh, you know, a, a, an observation about... The, the the zeitgeist of America and to a large degree, the rest of the world right now is that we are in a unique time of turmoil and uh, suppression of economic activity and suffering in terms of expectations for basic human needs being met around the coronavirus and we know it's not because of the virus we all know it's because of how governments have responded to it and there's this existential crisis where facing up to that fundamental nature of reality is so important the dalai lama was once asked what's the first thing you would do if you were president he said i would start calling things by their proper names and right away when i heard that i was like oh you mean war is murder politicians are criminals police are thugs oh yeah government is a racket and taxation is theft right and how much we as a society are able to face up to these fundamental truths right now is going to determine what future generations experience as the remnants of government as we evolve into this new high-tech era that i know one way or another will make it a lot less relevant.
0: Yeah, what we what we uh, allow today will just be normalized for our children. So absolutely. Now is the time. And, uh, you know, I wasn't just uh, blowing smoke up your ass, Adam, earlier when I had mentioned that the list was too long. I mean, I I even tried to kind of compile everything and it was just too much. I mean, you did the run for president. (laughs) What's that?
2: (laughs) <laughs> that's what my wikipedia page is for
0: right right i mean you had adam versus the man which you know both me and matt have, have mentioned was integral to our own in- intellectual development uh the shotgun incident the raid um uh, so many diff- different c- civil disobedience uh the smoking weed at the smoke out which you got arrested for uh the jefferson memorial i mean that's yeah. that's pretty classic oh yeah one dancing well. at
1: the jefferson memorial that so video, many people know who that like like there's people like outside of the liberty circle that know that that happened you know <laughs> and and yeah it's just crazy. there's viral. no one arrested for dancing in the jefferson memorial are you kidding me you want to go see it right now
0: right <laughs> yeah that video went viral for us i don't know how many times on police the police and it's almost like people just are in disbelief you know they couldn't they, they'd see the headline of the video and like wait i have to watch this yeah but, uh, yeah, you've also been a radio host. I mean, you were a host of RT for a while. And uh, now you have your property, what is it, in New Mexico?
2: Northern Arizona in the mountains. Ah, Arizona. It's cacti in Phoenix, which is an inhumane place where people aren't supposed to live. But, no, I'm in the mountains. It's nice. I got beautiful juniper trees all over. Uh, I have an Instagram account that's the main online presence for this right now, uh, at the Garden of Freedom, or Gardenia for short. Uh, and... I mean, I'll just I, I am working on things in declaring sovereignty as a micronation that I think is the sort of bottom up version of the political decentralization that might have, you know, huge potential. If the timing is right, if we have the right effort behind it, uh, if any of y'all want to be prime minister of Gardenia and uh, help me <laughs> issue license permits and all sorts of other things like that, to, to you know. Cite the authority of the why does the American government have the authority to do this? Oh, because the Declaration of Independence? Well oh cool. Well, we did that. Um and, and I think there's a lot of potential there. So I'm I'm I guess I'm sort of constantly taking applications, Prime Minister of Gardenia. I of course am King Adam Charles Cocus the first. <laughs> but no, it's it's also a great way to lampoon government authority and i'm I'm working on a number of other things like that behind the scenes so good great. stuff coming I'd, I'd i'd rather i'd rather uh you know come in you know once a year and have something really effective than than just be grinding away at, at my podcast with nothing else going on we got to take big shots right now and, and this is a great opportunity for it it's a good time
0: that's a good point my friend well uh Thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much for joining us today, Adam. Uh, definitely check out Adam's book. It's called Freedom. It should be at thefreedomline.com, right? Yep. Okay. And is there anything else you want to plug?
2: I'm live two hours a day, five days a week. AdamVsTheMan.com is usually a good way to plug in. Uh, and we are live on Odyssey and Twitch. And those are two platforms we want to promote people moving to. But uh, Odyssey, Twitch, and... If you're on Telegram, I really want to, I, I mean, especially after this conversation, I want to focus on Telegram even more. So T dot me slash Adam versus the man. At least we post the show in there every day and my show notes. So thanks for the opportunity guys. And uh, the, you know, good interview is one where, where I learned something too. I certainly agree. Sure.
0: We'll uh, we'll plug you in our, our group, the free thought project group. Hopefully that will send a few people your way, but Adam, dude, thank you so much for joining us. You've been a force for liberty for years and your work and experience in this realm are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, brother.
2: Thank you.